Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and I don't know what to call this show. So (laughs) I've been working on this for weeks, y'all. I mean, I'm like, I was up most of the night last night um, working on it, and I finally have it ready to record for you, and I don't know what to call it. So I'm going to call it The Life-Changing Power of Communion. It's actually about atonement and communion. I experienced a communion miracle, and it's the first time it ever happened, and so I was so excited. I want to share that with you, especially if you need some kind of healing like I did because this is really exciting once you get it. Let me just say before I dive into this um, that it is possible I am going to step on some toes by the time we're done with this, but some of y'all might need those toes stepped on to wake you up. So prepare yourselves because y'all know I'm all about laying it out there in honesty. It's only the truth that sets us free. So I want to get the truth to you. I make myself look at truth too, so I'm preaching to both of us, okay? And I want to address something real quick. Somebody remarked online and I came across it recently saying that I am a terrible teacher because I do not talk about the rapture. So if you're listening, whoever did that, I don't like to talk about things I know nothing about. I prefer to have actual revelation on a subject if at all possible. So I know I'm not just teaching you my opinion as my opinion may not, you know, really help you. I have a holy fear of teaching something incorrectly. I will teach on the rapture at such time as God gives me some revelation on it. Until then, go listen to somebody else who has some revelation. And not only that, but you might want to keep in mind when and how we're getting out of here is not nearly as important as how we live and glorify Jesus while we are here. Okay, now I have never taught anything on communion as far as I can remember because I've never had any real revelation on it. I decided late last year in 2023 that I wanted to study different aspects of the atonement. I think the Catholic Church teaches on it a lot more, but I'm not Catholic, and I cannot remember ever hearing a really good teaching on what all our benefits are through, you know, Jesus died a horrible, agonizing death on the cross for us. And when, when as he did that, he bought these different benefits for us. But, you know, we know that we have forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God, but it didn't end there. There was a lot more to it than that. And because I've not heard much teaching on it, and it is at the very foundation of our faith, we need to have a good understanding of it. I still don't have as much understanding as I want to have, but also because how can you claim the promises of God if you don't even know what they are? What good are all the gifts in the universe that he left you if you don't know what they are so you can receive them? So I started to study it with great opposition. I might add the attacks from Satan came immediately every single time I started studying this. And that made me laugh because that always tells me that I'm about to learn something really good. And the Lord knows anything I learn. I'm going to share that with you and Satan knows that too. So every time I worked on these notes, the attacks came again. So it's, it's taken me a while. I'm trying to get my voice on to break up while I'm recording this, y'all. Sorry. Okay, so recently, very recently, I had a wonderful experience when I took communion, and that's what started me on this whole journey. I have always considered communion very sacred. When I reconfirmed my commitment to answer the call of my life, the Lord asked me to take communion over my commitment. And that was, in effect, sealing my commitment with his blood. I shook 
violently the whole time I was on my knees doing that because there is nothing more sacred or more powerful in all the universe we live in than the shed blood of Jesus. And even though I had great reverence for communion for a period of time, and I even took it every day for a while when I lived at the townhouse at Princeton and also when I lived in Arkansas, I never felt anything when I took it. I did it in remembrance of Jesus and his sacrifice because the Bible says to do that. And I said that and thanked him for his great sacrifice every time, but I never felt any different afterwards. So I never, you know, studied it before anything. And I love to learn new stuff and share with y'all. That's really all I know to teach you. So anyway, before I tell you my story, let's look at the communion at the Last Supper. This was the night before Jesus was crucified, and he knew it was the night before the hardest task of his entire life. And he spoke to his disciples about communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So remember, Jesus first gave thanks, then he took communion. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. That blood holds the power that fulfills every single promise he left us in the New Testament. And in taking communion, we want to receive what he has left us. We want to declare what he has done as well as commemorate it. So let's talk about some of the things that the atonement gave us, because I don't think I know all of them. The best thing that we get from the atonement, and the atonement, by the way, for anyone who's new to Christianity, the atonement, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for all mankind's sin that was willing to believe in him, because it blood is required to cover up sin. That's a rule that God made early on, and he created the world so he gets to make all the rules. So Jesus accepted the task to die on the cross, a horrible death, to pay for everybody's sins, and just said, here, let me do this. And if they believe in me and believe that this covers this, their sins, it covers their sins. So the best thing that we get from the atonement of Jesus is him. We get Jesus, and we get him forever. That's the very best thing. Number two, our sins are forgiven, completely obliterated by his precious blood. If we repent, if we turn from the sins and confess our sins and believe in him. Number three, sin caused a separation between man and God. Jesus dying on the cross reconciled us to God again. We are reconciled to God in a way no one before Jesus' death could be. Number four, because we have been reconciled, all we have to do is receive Jesus and we have unprecedented access to Father God on the throne in heaven. In the days before Jesus, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, into the Lord's presence. But we can go anytime we want. Those who went before us would have given anything for that, y'all. They would have loved to have what we have. Number five, we have freedom from grief and sorrow. That alone is huge. 
Jesus carried our griefs and our sorrows to the cross. They were nailed to that cross with him. So this means we don't have to carry them anymore. We don't have to carry them anymore. And I'm going to tell you how to stop carrying them. Because they were crucified with him. I have decreed my freedom from grief and sorrow many times when Satan was trying to overwhelm me with sadness and grief. It, it helps to do that too. Number six, we have healing. We are healed, mind, body, and spirit. Your spirit can become ill from spiritual wounds like those caused by betrayal and other traumatic experiences like every form of abuse that always wounds your spirit. And those spiritual wounds are areas for the enemy to attack you through, bringing even more pain on top of the pain you already have. When trauma or abuse happens, we are required to forgive and let God handle the recompense. We don't get to pay people back. If you do that, God don't pay them back for what they did to you. Did you know that? You have to let him do that. That's not your job. He handles the recompense because he's the only one that's without sin. You're not without sin. I'm not without sin. No matter what somebody did to you or for how long, you have to forgive. That is a requirement or you are not getting into heaven because you can't get into heaven unless your sins are forgiven. And he said, unless you forgive everybody else, I don't forgive you. Read your Bible. It's in there. Okay, now, forgiving is not optional. That's what I'm telling you. There are no exceptions to that rule. No matter who you are, no matter what happened to you, no matter for how long. Remember that. Everybody's been through something. Some people have been through a lot for a really long time. You don't get a free pass because of that. Told y'all I was going to step on toes. Okay, number seven. We are delivered from our destructions. Psalm 107, 19 to 20. Then they cry, Unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Whenever I read that word destructions, that verse, I always think of addictions like drugs and alcohol. But another type of destruction is a wrong relationship or an abusive relationship. If you're in a relationship where somebody's beating you up all the time, that's that's a destruction and it can cause some serious. Yeah. Anyways, let's don't go into that. But I mean, it, it can get really bad. But I can tell you that God delivers absolutely from every one of these things. I have experienced his deliverance numerous times. Number eight, when Jesus atoned for us, we received healing of every kind, including for our broken hearts. He heals our broken hearts. And we not only need that now, we're going to need it even more later when the world events he's foretold begin happening. And we see so much suffering, death and sorrow. And we see people that we love die. That's going to be hard. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. I think that is such a beautiful verse. When my heart gets broken, and it does pretty often, and I'm having trouble bouncing back from it, I will decree that he carried my griefs and my sorrows, and I will apply the healing balm of Gilead to the wounds. I'll just say, okay, right now in Jesus' name, I apply the healing balm of Gilead to that wound. This always helps me. I've been doing that since 2009 or 2010. We have freedom from fear, Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. We have peace, the peace he left us, a peace nothing in the world can give us but him. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
Present tense are, not were. We are healed. So we have his peace. That means freedom from fear and anxiety. And it is the peace that passes understanding. We may see war begin in our land and, and still be standing there having peace because we have a heavenly peace. We know we are going to our real home in heaven soon. Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. That's Jeremiah 33, 6. And when you have peace, you have rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. That's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Satan wants to steal our peace and our rest by bringing fear, anxiety, and condemnation. He loves to bring condemnation over sins you committed, you know, like 80 years ago and things that you didn't do exactly right or things that you were just terrible at or you were a bad this or a bad that. But you don't have to put up with that. That's all under the blood because there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus and you need to tell Satan that when he does it because it shuts him up. Romans 8, 1 through 3, there is... Therefore, now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned the sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 1 is the one that I quote. Isaiah 53, 5-8, he was wounded for our transgressions, I read you those. Okay, now, let me tell you what happened with communion, because this is the fun part. On February 9th of this year, I had been very, very ill and in pain. And I was on the third day of it, and like every day, it was getting worse, and I had so much to do. I was visiting my friend Meredith, and she suggested that I take communion. She said that some people in her church had experienced healings when they did. I was desperate to try anything that would make me feel better because I was just so ill and I had so much to get done. So she brought me the, the I agreed, and she, I said, okay, I'll try it. She brought me the communion elements, and she also shared with me some prayers that her congregation at church uses for communion. So I started by carefully examining my heart. You never, ever, 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 ever take communion without examining your heart and asking forgiveness for any sins that you see there. And turn away from those sins. That is very, very important. Because according to the Bible, if you take communion unworthily, it can cause you to be very sick. Or worse. So I very carefully examined my heart. I prayed over any negative thing that I thought might be in there. I prayed the prayers that she brought me. And I claimed my healing. Those prayers are prayers of claiming everything the atonement offers. And within 10 minutes of taking that communion and claiming my healing, all my pain left, all my nausea left. And I was so well that I packed up a week's worth of laundry, drove to the laundromat and washed all my clothes. And, I, and none of the sickness came back. And I had been so sick, I was like, just couldn't even hardly walk around. I honestly, when I started to take that communion, did not have any faith that it would work. Because I've taken communion for, for years and sometimes was taking it every day and had never really seen a difference. But I was willing to try it. Now, she had a lot more faith in it than I did. And she, you know, gave me the elements and then went back to uh, what she was doing. She wasn't in the room with me or anything. I know that Jesus paid for my healing. And I've seen, prayed for, and experienced healings over the years. But I was so sick that day. I was far too ill to muster up any amount of faith. I just needed to get better and I was willing to try it. But I felt so much, <laughs> was so much better. 
I mean, within five minutes, it, everything that was sick in my body was just gone. It just left. And I was like, wow, now that's really cool. I believe the difference this time was twofold. I think my friend's faith for me to be healed was very strong. And I believe that saying prayers that went way further than my usual Jesus, I honored your sacrifice and thank you for dying so I can live made all the difference in the world. So let me get through my notes here. What I want to help you understand is the way you pray, if you will use your faith, the way you pray, if you will receive by what you say with your words, as you take those communion elements, the body and the, and the blood, I believe that you will receive healings. Here's, <laughs> ever since then, I've been, I've been just telling God almost every day, I'm like, okay, Lord, if you healed one thing, then I know you can heal all the other stuff, which I already knew anyway. But if, if I can take communion over that sickness, as sick as I was those three days, and I took that communion one time and you healed me, then that means I can take communion another time and I can get healing in my spine and I can take it another time. By the way, I'm planning to get healing for my spine and I'm planning to get healing for my eyesight. I have worn glasses since I was seven years old. I have a very strong prescription. Um, my, when I order glasses, it takes them 10 days to, to two weeks to get them back because the, the lenses. And um, my friend Joanne decided to believe God years ago. I've tried to get her to come and talk about this, but I haven't gotten her on the show. But she, years ago, she told me the story. She said that she decided, because I remembered her from years ago. And I said, didn't you used to wear glasses? She said, yeah. She said, I did. She said, God healed mine. I said, I want to know how that happened because I want mine healed because I spend a lot of money on glasses so that I can see. And she decided to believe God to heal her eyesight. And she just started decreeing it and saying, you know, that he was going to, she didn't really have any specific prayer or anything like that. She prayed and she just kept believing it until one day her eyes were so healed. She didn't need her glasses anymore. True story. True story. So if he'll do it for one, he's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for us. He'll do it for me and he'll do it for you. So I've decided that the first two things that I want to get healed for are my spine. I want my, my lower spine has a condition that I've had since I was a child. And I never could sit up straight like the other kids did. And it always bothered me. And I didn't understand why, but now I understand why. And if you saw my spine, you'd understand why too. And so it's always been a, a source of pain for me. And for years, I've taken 100 milligrams of gabapentin once a day because it keeps the pain from getting so bad that I can't walk. So I stopped taking it about five days ago. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm not going to get this filled anymore. We're done with that. If I can be healed, then I'm going to be healed. And if you can heal the sickness that I had those three days, then, you know, I mean, I'm stupid if I don't go after this. So I'm going to take communion. I have not done it yet because I've been working on this show. I'm going to take communion and believe God for my spine to be healed. I'm going to receive healing for that. And the next thing I'm going after after that is my eyesight. I want my eyesight to be perfect so I don't need glasses anymore. And I've made a whole list. And God's probably sitting in heaven laughing at me going, well, she finally got it. Because I'm like, okay, we're just going to get everything healed. So I made a whole list of everything. I'm going to go one thing at a time and I'm going to receive healing for everything. And I'm not going to back down until I get it. Because here's something you have to understand about healing. The devil will try to talk you out of it. If you get it, 
he'll spend weeks after that telling you, oh, it's, you know, he'll heal other people, but not you. You didn't get healed, blah, blah, blah. See, you did you feel that little twinge or blah, 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 you know, whatever. And it'll just go on and on. You have to stand for it and take it. And you have to refuse to let it go because it is yours. I don't care what's wrong with you. That healing is yours. Okay, so. Um, like, I want to explain to you some of the things that were in those prayers. Because I can't share the prayers with you. They were from her church and they were written by somebody else and they're not mine to share. But basically, like the... Um, it said, like, you know, the life of the flesh is in the blood, which is what the scripture says. Their scriptural prayers is what they are. Somebody took the time and went into the scriptures and found the things that they were promised, and they put them into a prayer. And then they said them as they took communion. I thought, that's, that's really, really smart, because I never thought to do that. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And the, the life of our flesh is in the blood of Jesus. And as we take his blood, it fills our bodies with his glorious life. No pain, no sickness, no arthritis, no infection, no addiction, no condition, no cancer, no illness or disease of any kind is more powerful than the precious blood of the Lamb of God, which was shed for us. And he gave us the healing of our minds, bodies, and spirits. And I take that healing now through that blood in Jesus' name. It is God's will that I prosper and be in health. And I claim that now as I take the blood of Jesus. Through the power of Jesus' blood that he shed for me, I'm now healed of every sickness, every pain, every illness, addiction, or disease of any kind whatsoever, because that is his will for me. It is his will that I be free and I be well. Now, we've all known people who just cannot seem to get healed no matter what they do. And sometimes we go through seasons of illness for a while. Maybe the load of stress you're carrying is more than a body can hold up very well under, or you've not taken care of your health. Those of us who love to work too much, we get into that. Or maybe there are other factors. Sometimes it is something that we are doing. But God wants you to receive your healing. It glorifies him when you get healed. That glorifies him. Sickness does not glorify him. And it must make him so sad to look down and see so much sickness in the body of Christ. When he has provided everything that we need to be well. Don't y'all think so? So I want to talk for a minute about some hindrances to receiving your healing, okay? Because you have to make sure you have cleared these hurdles. One, unforgiveness. Now let's remember, we have to examine our hearts carefully before we take communion. That is absolutely imperative. Do not take communion unless you look first into your heart because you can be causing yourself a lot of harm if you do. We must be sure that we have forgiven everyone for everything and that's easier said than done. Don't think I don't know that. Because I promise you, I do know it. When you got knives hanging out of your back everywhere you go, um, you do know it. It can be a challenge, especially from people who have hurt you repeatedly or people that are just out to get you or take something that you have. We all have people like that on our list. And we just have to work at it and keep working at it and keep releasing them to God. God will deal with them. Also remember what Matthew 5, 23 and 24 say, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. You know, there are people, and I know some, I could give you a list of names. There are people who can hold grudges for 50 years. 
I'm not one of those. But when someone continually tries to deceive you or lies and lies to you or manipulates you or uses you, it's in it, especially if it's somebody that you love, it does make it harder to let go of that hurt. But I always re- remind myself, they're not worth losing your salvation over. Nobody is. Nobody is worth missing heaven for. And then I go to the Lord and ask for help if I'm having any trouble letting it go. And sometimes for your spiritual well-being, you have to cut people like that out of your life, just like like a doctor cuts out cancer, because they're bad for you. If all they do is take from you and use you, they don't have a place in your life. Pray for them and let them go. Because there are people that no matter how long you love them, they're only out to use you and abuse you. Ask the Lord to let you know when it's time to let go, and he will. If you're hanging on because you think nobody else can be a witness to them, think again. Because most likely you are not the person he needs to use in that anyhow. If they're using you, they don't have any respect for you and they're not going to listen to anything you say anyway. They don't care what's coming out of your mouth. I'm just saying. Number two, some of the biggest roadblocks to healing are wrong beliefs. Um. Number one, one of those would be there are people who teach that the Lord gets glory from our sickness. No, he does not. Get this through your head. No, he does not. Someone being sick does not glorify God. Your suffering does not glorify him unless it ends in him healing you and getting the credit for healing you exclusively. Not a Dr. So-and-so and Jesus healed me. No, our Heavenly Father does not save any souls for your illness Jesus paid the full price. You cannot add one iota to his sacrifice with your own. You are not without sin. He was the only sinless sacrifice. He did it all. We cannot help. He don't need our help. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are not the sinless lamb. Your suffering glorifies Satan, not Jesus. Healing glorifies Jesus. By his stripes, you were healed. That glorifies him. Another thing that hinders you receiving your healing is unbelief. You will not receive anything from the Lord without faith. Faith is how you receive everything he offers you, by believing him. You will not receive healing if you are not willing to be made well. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. It sounds like something that would never happen, but I've known people who are not willing to be made well. Remember John uh, chapter 5. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another stepped down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Get up and go. Let me give you two good examples of people not willing to be made well that I have actually seen. I have seen this both in physical and mental illnesses. There are people with both physical and emotional problems who cling to their diagnoses and dysfunctions that they might use them to get attention on social media or in organizations or wallow in the pity of others. That's pathetic. Can I just say that? 
You can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you cannot be both. Some people have made their illnesses their identity, and so they do not want to give them up. I have known and prayed for people like that who did not receive healing, and the Lord showed me they felt their illnesses were the only thing about them that was special. And so they were not willing to give them up, even if the illness was killing them. I can't make this up, y'all. These are true stories. I cannot say names for obvious reasons, but these are real cases of people whose illnesses are killing them or have the, the possibility of killing them, but they prefer dying to feeling like, you know, they're not special. They prefer being pitied to living and being whole. There are also those who cling to what is wrong with them so they can blame others for all their problems. So they can make someone they dislike look bad or so they can make their parents feel guilty and try to extort money from them. If you can blame someone else for what is wrong with you, then you are not responsible to change any of it, are you? You know what that is? That's a cop-out, number one. And number two, you are lazy. And you want everybody else to do all the hard work for you. Guess what? Nobody's going to do it. That's what I call the pretty girl syndrome. We have all met them. The girl who is so pretty, somebody else is always willing to carry their books in school, always willing to carry their load, pay all their bills. As she gets older, she still expects that. And this is not limited to just females. There are pretty boys out there too. I'm just saying, y'all. Okay, but the Word of God offers the same healing promises to each of us. I don't care what happened to you. The healing promises are the same for you as they are for me or anybody else. You can take hold of those or you can wallow in misery until Jesus comes back. But when you stand before him, he's not going to say, oh, you poor little thing. He's going to say, I offered you healing and wholeness to glorify me. Why did you take it? I gave you everything you needed to be well. Why did you prefer unforgiveness to being well? Nobody is getting into heaven with unforgiveness. Nobody is getting into heaven with unforgiveness. If you don't forgive every single person who ever hurt you or did you wrong, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, for if you forgive men their trespasses, and that's what that is, if somebody does you wrong, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And that rule is the same whether you believe in God or not. In case there are any unbelievers listening to this, because there probably are. That word trespasses means sins. So if you forgive men their sins, meaning the sins you perceive they have done against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their sins that they did against you, neither will your father forgive your sins. How are you going to get into heaven if your sins are not forgiven? You're not. They will stop you at the door. We will all be in there eating the marriage feast of the lamb and you will not be able to get in. Another very big hindrance to healing is not being able to see yourself well. Anytime you are receiving blessings, healings, or whatever, when you ask in faith, the Lord already sees you that way. Because the clock in heaven always says now. John Morgan taught me that. May he rest in peace. The clock in heaven always says now. So God already sees you well, but you have to see you well. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. However you see yourself, that's how you are. You must begin to see you healed. Remember, your mind screen, which is your imagination, is the report card of your faith. It shows you 
what your faith is in the process of producing. Anytime it keeps showing you the wrong thing, it's trying to warn you that your faith is going the wrong way. It's not lined up with what you desire. Pay attention. I also believe it is very important whenever we're standing against an illness or disease or pain or whatever to refuse to let that pain or sickness come back. I started doing this years ago. I found this scripture one day. I was reading the Bible and I came across Nahum 1.9. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. Its original context has nothing to do with healing. But God's word is the ultimate power and authority on earth. And every single word of God's word contains life and it will not return void. I have used this effectively numerous times. And what Nahum 1.9 says is this affliction shall not arise a second time. So meaning if I get something that's made me real sick, I will start saying this affliction's not coming back. This is not going to arise a second time. And I'll keep saying it the whole time. And years ago when I lived in the townhouse, um, I developed hip bursitis. And bursitis is there are little fluid-filled sacs in your joint. And bursitis is when they get infected. And then every time you take a step, it feels like somebody's stabbing you. It hurts so bad. It's a very bad pain. And uh, in a townhouse, your bedrooms and your full baths are all upstairs. So you have to go upstairs. And when I had that and when I had sciatica, when I lived at the old house, those are the two things that I used that on and it worked. And I was like, well, I'm not going through this twice. Both of those hurt so bad. And I do not like pain. So I just started quoting Nahum 1.9. This affliction shall not arise a second time. It shall not arise a second time. And I kept saying it. And both of those things have tried to come back. And every single time I quote that again, and it's not able to come back. So it works. When you're standing for your healing, you must refuse to accept less than total healing. And you must refuse any further attack of the same affliction. Because that's just the devil trying to sink back in the back door, y'all. By the way, as I was studying the subject and praying for revelation, the Lord showed me in my spirit something y'all probably, it's probably not even a revelation to y'all that were raised in church, but it was to me. He showed me in my spirit that if you have a spouse that's ill, you can take communion on their behalf for their healing because the two of you are one. So it's like a very special type of intercession. Since you cannot examine their hearts for them prior to taking it, I would definitely remit their sins first. Remember, we talked about remitting sins a long time ago as, as a, a way for, um, it's something that Henry Groover taught on years ago. And I don't know where to find his teaching. I think it's out on YouTube, though. But I taught on it briefly. Um, I think I did a show with my friend Kelly. But I would remit their sins before you take communion on their behalf. But this made me wonder, too, if you can take it for a spouse, I wonder if you might also be able to take it on behalf of a, a, like a baby, if you have a baby or a little toddler that's too young to take it for themselves and, and they have something wrong with them. But I would ask the Lord about that first. I came across a word that God gave us in May of 2016 about healing. He said, many of my people are crippled from the enemy's attacks on their lives. They are confused, thinking I am to blame, yet it was not I who opened the door to the enemy. My people, I desire you would be healed in your body, mind, and spirit. Give your wounds to me and allow me to teach you about my healing power, for I am a great and mighty God, well able to heal my people. 
He wants us to be well so we can enjoy our days down here and do his work and so we can glorify him. Haven't we been sick long enough, y'all, and in pain? I'm just not willing to put up with it anymore. Now that I've experienced that healing, I'm like on fire for it. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, now I'm getting healed of everything. That's it. That's it. We're doing it all now. I'm not going to settle for less now that I know I can have that. So I did want to touch briefly on something I said earlier. I need to give you more details. One, I said that for years I've taken 100 milligrams of gabapentin once a day. I have, and I there is no shame in taking medication when you need medication. If you cannot walk without taking you know, 100 milligrams of gabapentin, then you better take it so you can, you know, live your life. But um, I stopped taking it five days ago because my faith is up for healing and because I know God is healing my back, okay? Do not stop taking a medication that you need. Get your faith built up until you don't need it, all right? Build up your faith and receive your healing, and then you won't need the medication. Do not stop taking something that's, you know, uh, keeps you alive. That That is not walking in wisdom. God gave us a brain so we could use it. All right. Y'all be careful about that. And don't judge people who take medication or God will put you in the situation where you need to take medication. And then you'll find out why they take it. All right. So we don't want to be doing that. Um, he gave us medicines in the plants for a reason because he knew that we were going to need them. I personally hate taking any kind of prescription, but if you have to do it, you have to do it. I don't have to do it now because I'm getting healed and that's that. But I take a second drug, a very tiny, tiny, the smallest dose you can take of a blood pressure medicine uh, to keep me from having another stroke because of blood pressure. I won't stop taking that one unless I can correct my diet first where I don't need it. Because a lot of times you can change your diet and you don't need diabetic drugs. You don't need blood pressure drugs. But until I have the self-discipline in, in the setup where I can do that, which I cannot do while I'm traveling, uh, I won't stop taking that one because that would be foolishness. I don't want to end up in the hospital with another stroke. I might not come out so good from the next one. You know what I'm saying? So you got to use wisdom when you do this. God is willing to heal us, but we do have to do our part. There are some diseases that we cause ourselves. And I know this because he told me this, but I mean, it's obvious. Not every disease comes in the door because Satan opened the door. We open the doors. If we eat wrong, you know, if you eat salt all the time, you're going to have higher blood pressure. I don't. But I mean, things like that. We contribute to things like that in our bodies. And he can't heal us from something that we are doing ourselves. So keep this in mind, okay? Because otherwise the disease would just come back. That's all I have for y'all today. I hope that this is a help to you. And I really hope that you will take it to heart and you will. You, if you don't have commun, little communion sets, you can use any kind of bread or cracker and you can use grape juice. If you, I mean, if you have communion wine or wine and you want to use that, you can. But you, a lot of people just use grape juice. And the little communion sets that you get for people who haven't taken communion a lot of times, it's just grape juice and a little wafer. So you don't have to, you know, run out and buy communion sets. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I was going to tell you on. I don't think that there was. I hope that this will be a great blessing to you and that you will be able to also get healed. And I will be giving you updates as I get healed of other various things that I'm going to. I'm going to do it, y'all. I'm just going to stay on it. I think we just have to stay on it. 
If I don't get healed, it'll be because I was so busy that I didn't stay on it. But I've set my heart on that. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week.